0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth.
1: And welcome to In-Depth. I'm KCBS political reporter Doug Sovereign. This week, a special edition of In-Depth, a campaign 2018 edition. We will hear from the six leading candidates for governor of California. As you try to make up your mind whom to vote for in the June 5th primary, we will bring you excerpts from our interviews with the major contenders. We'll hear from Democrats Gavin Newsom, Antonio Villaraigosa, Delane Easton, and John Chung, and Republicans John Cox and Travis Allen. The way California's open primary works now in state races, only the two candidates with the most votes, regardless of party, will advance from the June 5th primary to compete in November. So it could be two Democrats or two Republicans or one of each. Candidates from the smaller parties are also on the primary ballot, but they have virtually no chance to make it to the November general election. Polls show Lieutenant Governor and former San Francisco Mayor Gavin Newsom with a strong lead for first place, leaving the others to slug it out for that second spot. You can hear our complete interviews with these candidates on our website kcbsradio.com slash campaign 2018. They're all posted on the campaign 2018 page. And you can always find links and the latest news from the campaign trail on my Twitter feed at Sovereign Nation. But we begin now with an excerpt from our interview with the frontrunner, Democrat Gavin Newsom. Lots of people have said for years that California is ungovernable, and some people still think that. Do you think it is? And, And whether you do or not, why in the world do you want to govern it? Well, I think Governor Brown has proven California is governable. I mean, I think
2: back in 2010, when he inherited $27 billion budget deficit, we had 12.4% on employment insurance. You had a Candidate for president of the United States by the name of Mitt Romney who said California was going the way of Greece, and you had a guy in Silicon Valley that was promoting a few years after that, splitting the state up into six, and frankly, had he put that on the ballot, it may have passed back then, and so there was a real open-ended question, and I think um, that Governor Brown sort of proved – otherwise. And it was, you know, old sage dusting off Governor Brown from the 70s, all the new experience, the pragmatism. Uh, and he brought uh, the state back, and I think he's proven it can indeed be governed. And the question now for the next governor is, as we move moved from triaging the state, we've uh, implemented a plan for solvency, what's the plan for greatness? What's the journey we can go on together to address this issue? And that is the issue from my perspective, the issue of wealth, and income inequality, the issue of social mobility, affordability, the issue of a state that is the richest and the poorest state. How do we address that
1: stubborn issue? So why do you want to be the guy to do that? I believe very, very passionately
2: uh, in our capacity to do more and do better. I think fundamentally on the issue of income and wealth disparity, the challenge is this, our interventions come too late. Uh, The number one predictor of whether or not you're going to end up in the criminal justice system is the number of words you speak in kindergarten, which is a remarkable statement. Uh, If that's the case, it seems to me, if you want to deal with the achievement gaps, you want to deal with criminal justice reform, you want to lower the costs uh, to the taxpayers, then we've got to begin at the beginning that's prenatal care. That's a framework zero to three where 85% of the brain is fully developed by the time you're three years old. Uh, No one's talking about that to the degree that they should be. Uh, As a former mayor that did universal preschool, in many respects, preschool as an intervention comes too late. Uh, The focus zero to three is, for me, uh, the great aha moment. Uh, About three years ago, I woke up to that reality, quite literally, not just figuratively. As someone now with four young kids myself, uh, as a growing appreciation in the power and importance of prenatal care uh, in those early few years, to me, that's the architecture of life. And yet we play small ball in that space. And we need to substantively address that issue in a sustainable way.
1: I'm going to guess that your kids being your kids speak a lot of words, certainly by the time they got to kindergarten, the ones who have gotten there so far, because they're your kids. But what has having those kids, and your youngest is, what, two or three, I think? Yeah. Uh, what how, What is having those kids? How has that changed uh, your perspective on you know, what issues are the most important? I mean, it, and every, I mean, I
2: know it's cliche, but I guess it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. Uh, when you have a kid, it stops you on the dime. changes radically everything. Your perspective is no longer so situational. Uh, it's very sustainable. There's sort of a long-term view of the world when, boy, it doesn't that strike contrast with politics where everything's short-termism. Uh, and so for me, just to even have this conversation you about the power and importance, not just of early childhood education, but prenatal care and the brain development zero to three, that's a conversation I would be wholly incapable of having with you, except perhaps intellectually. Um, eight years ago before my first child was born. Now I have a two-year-old, four-year-old, six-year-old, and eight-year-old. And so at every stage of their maturation comes new insights, new perspectives about second grade, the power and importance of teachers. My oldest daughter now uh, has been diagnosed with dyslexia. She's her father's daughter. And the power and importance of mentors and great teachers, customized learning plans. So you know, I started thinking in those terms, preschool, the cost of preschool, cost of childcare not just the cost of housing, jaw-dropping. Imagine being a single mother like my mom, how she was able to do two jobs and raise two kids on her own. Uh, you have a different appreciation, a granular appreciation that shapes your perspective, not just your politics, but your policy thinking.
1: You talked about income inequality. Uh, you've done very well. Often people in, in politics are successful. Yeah. Uh, some might think it ironic that a guy you know, as rich as you've become uh, is the guy to take on income in- inequality and talk about.
2: Well, I didn't come from that. I came from a, a you 19 know, 19- year old mom that had two kids and was divorced and uh, on her own. She passed away 15, 18 years ago uh, she came from no wealth uh, and left no wealth, just hard work, grit, determination. Um, but she, she sort of gave me the tools that ultimately allowed me to uh, have some early success before I got into politics, opened a number of businesses, and they've grown, um, about 23 of them now and 800 employees or so up and down the state. And I say that not to impress you, but to press upon you an appreciation for hard work, for entrepreneurial spirit, and a real strong belief system that you can't be a pro-job and anti-business. And I think one of the things that I offer is, a different perspective from a lot of other Democrats is that perspective. Uh, I hear Democrats talk a lot about uh, being pro-job, and then they start to attack uh, folks that make those jobs possible. And I think that's a big part of what's missing in the Democratic uh, agenda right now is a framework uh, around economic development, workforce development. And I think I offer a perspective uh, that Ultimately is is close to an approximation of the solution to the issue of wealth and income disparity, which is opportunity, which is skills and workforce development and early childhood development that of course is the predicate for all of that.
1: Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, Democrat running for governor. Our next segment is with another of the Democratic candidates, former Los Angeles mayor and assembly speaker Antonio Villaragosa. Why do you want to be governor and and what would make you the best among the people who are running?
3: Well, to whom much is given, much is expected. I've benefited greatly from the California dream, and it's not lost on me that there's no other state that has its own dream. Uh, When you think of America and the American dream, there's only one other state that has its own, and that's the California dream. And that dream's given me much, uh, and I tell people that I see it as incumbent on this generation to ensure that we restore the luster to that dream that we make sure that the next generation uh, is able to enjoy uh, the fruits and the benefits of that dream in the way that I did. Uh, I often talk about my grandpa, uh, Grandpa Pete, who came here from León, Guanajuato, Mexico, more than 100 years ago. He came with a shirt on his back, no education, uh, but uh, a dream. Uh, He worked in the fields and built a small business afterwards, and by the teens and the 20s became a a successful businessman, and lost all his money in the Depression, Uh, even lost his wife, who left him with two daughters. But he never lost his dream. He put my mother and my aunt in a Catholic school, and he gave them the best education that he could. And uh, I think it's incumbent on this generation, as I said, to do the same for the next. Uh, We're the fifth largest economy in the world, an economy uh, larger than Great Britain, with the highest effect of poverty rate akin to Romania and a cost of living that makes it increasingly difficult for people to buy a home, for people to even rent an apartment. And I think the next governor uh, needs to address that. And so I'm uh, I'm running for governor because I think I have a responsibility uh, to work to grow our economy in a way that it's working for more people. Uh, to create more middle class jobs, uh, to invest in education from early childhood, uh, to universal preschool all the way to college affordability, and to build infrastructure again. And I think the next governor's got to address the notion that health is a right, not a privilege, uh, that we've got to address this housing crisis, which makes it almost impossible for most working people and even many, middle-class people to buy a home.
1: Everyone talks about creating jobs, making homes more affordable, uh, all the other issues you've touched on. How do you actually do those things? What, what would you do that's different from the others and, and that'll make these dreams a reality? Well, Doug, that's the right question.
3: Uh, because you're right, everybody says they're gonna do something. And I've, I've always said that I think the best way to see what a man or a woman's gonna do is to see what they've done. I was a community organizer for 25 years, a labor leader during that time uh, for 15 years, and uh, before I got elected to the State Assembly. I've been focused on fighting for working people and working families my entire life, for fighting for immigrants and for the notion that when you work hard and you play by the rules, you ought to have a better life. When I was uh, Speaker of the Assembly, I authored Healthy Families, 750,000 kids got health care. Uh, The toughest assault weapons ban in the nation, trigger locks, limiting the purchase of guns to one a month.
1: The charter school advocates, the school reform, school choice people have raised and spent more money supporting your candidacy than I think you have yourself. Uh, If you win, will you be beholden to them to some extent, uh, all that outside money coming in uh, to help buy the ads you couldn't afford yourself, to help get you elected?
3: Well, I think I told you that, um, and you mentioned that I used to work for the teachers' union, and they've been supportive. In two elections, they spent $1.8 million to get me elected. They wanted me to run for governor in 2010. I didn't run for governor because I wanted to finish my job as mayor, and I disagreed with them, notwithstanding the $1.8 million that they invested in my candidacy. And I tell people there's no correlation between what someone gives you and what positions you take. And I support traditional public schools, I support teachers' unions. I support uh, our teachers, first and foremost, and I also support public charters that are excelling. When the teachers' union asked me if I would agree to a moratorium on uh, charters the way the other three leading Democratic uh, candidates did, uh, I said, look, I'll meet you halfway. Uh, I'll agree uh, to a moratorium on failing schools. traditional." and public charters. What I support are high-quality schools and options and choices for families uh, who have grown up for generations without a quality school uh, in their neighborhood or in their community.
1: That's Antonio Villaraigosa, former mayor of Los Angeles, who's running for governor. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth, I'm Doug Sovereign, bringing you excerpts from our conversations with the leading candidates for governor. Next up, Republican businessman John Cox. First question, I ask everybody this, but Mr. Cox, why are you running for governor?
4: Because this state is being horrendously mismanaged. Uh, this is the golden state, and we have the highest number of people in poverty in the country. We have the highest tax rates. Uh, our roads, our schools, our forests are being mismanaged. Uh, Tremendous waste and corruption, and people just can't afford to live here anymore. We've got a crime rate that's rising because we've let people out of jails uh, because we can't afford to keep them in there. And we've got a sanctuary state that violates the rule of law and is imposing huge costs and uh, insecurity on the people of the state. And I believe uh, we can have a much better management and a much greater state to live in and that's why i'm doing this
1: you're a relative newcomer to california having moved here from illinois a few years back uh, to southern california uh what makes you qualified to run the golden state after you know seeking political office in illinois before
4: well you need to understand that my whole family has been in california for 50 years my grandparents moved here from chicago in 1968 uh, my mom retired here in 1980. Her two sisters lived here their entire life. Uh, my cousins live here. My my little brother and sister moved out here from uh, Chicago with my mom in 1980. So I'm the last member of my family to move out here. So uh, California is really uh, my family's home. Uh, you know, I've been in business for 40 years. Doug. I mean, I think that... Is more than qualification. Uh, I've run big businesses. I've turned around businesses and made them successful. Uh, that I think is excellent experience for turning around this huge government we have here. And you know, when you run a business, you have to meet budgets, you have to hire and fire people, you have to meet goals and get things done and find solutions. That's what a business person does every single day. And that's what President Trump is doing in Washington. That's what 19 other governors are doing who are also business people, and that's what I intend to do.
1: You come from relatively modest beginnings. How did you become so successful in, in business? What do you think made it click for you?
4: Hard work and education, uh, I would say. Uh, my mom was a schoolteacher, a single mom, south side of Chicago, but... She taught me uh, an education is the only thing people can't take away from you. And uh, it's the thing that's going to make you a success. And that's why I worked very, very hard to, to get the best education. I graduated at the top of my classes uh, in college and law school. And I uh, became a CPA when I was 20 years old and just have just worked 70, 80 hours a week. I love work. Uh, I think work is life-affirming and fun. And I'm working now and and, and loving this. Uh, I think that that's the way you get to be a success. You continue to work hard and enjoy what you're doing.
1: You mentioned another man who ran on, on being a businessman, and now he's president, President Trump, and he endorsed you uh, last week. What does that mean? What is your reaction to that endorsement? And what does that mean for your campaign? What have you seen happen in the few days since that endorsement?
4: Well, I think a lot's happened. Uh, first of all, I'm proud that he did endorse me. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people, I suppose, that, that criticize the president for personal activities and things like that. But people can't argue with the results he's been achieving. Uh, the economy is now going to be growing at a rate of probably exceeding 3%. It never did that under Mr. Obama. Uh, regulations have been cut. We've stood up to North Korea, and they're coming to the table. Uh, We got out of that horrible uh, Iran deal, and we're going to stand up to their sponsoring terrorism around the world. Uh, We've appointed wonderful judges. Uh, We also just opened an embassy in Jerusalem, and hopefully that's going to lead to some more peace and security for people in that region. Uh, You know, people can obviously argue with his style, but... They can't argue with the success and, and with the results. And I think, isn't that what we elect leadership to do, is to get results? And, and that's, I think, what people of California want. Uh, they just want a better quality of life. They want uh, a better education for their kids. They want a lower burden of cost of living and taxes. And that's what I'm dedicated to providing.
1: That's John Cox, a Southern California Republican businessman who's running for governor. Next in our series of interviews with the candidates, another Republican, an assemblyman from Orange County.
0: Travis Allen, your next governor of the state of California.
1: Okay, you're certainly not lacking in confidence. I know that. Uh, Where does that come from, and why are you so certain you're going to make the top two?
0: Uh, Look, you know, it's not just about the top two. It's about the top one to be the next governor of the state. I've lived in the state my entire life, born in San Diego, raised five minutes from born in a little town called Chula Vista. I got elected in 2012 because I was sick and tired of the direction the state was going and the do-nothing Republican leadership that had allowed us, the Democrats, to essentially take us to where we are today. After six years of serving in the California legislature, I can tell you unequivocally that the Democrats have ruined this state. We now have the nation's highest poverty rate, the nation's highest homelessness, and rising violent crime. That's not even to mention the open border policies, the sanctuary state, and all the voter fraud that we see in California. Californians are being failed by today's Democrats. The very best the Democrats have right now is Antonio Virgos, the failed mayor of Los Angeles, and Gavin Newsom, the failed mayor of San Francisco. Californians don't want their state to look like the streets of L.A. or the streets of San Francisco. Californians want a common-sense governor, someone like the Ronald Reagan to truly make California once again the greatest state in the nation. And the way we do this is very simple. Cut taxes, get tough on crime, fix our roads, expand our freeways without raising taxes, fix our broken education system, complete our California State Water Project, and you better believe in my first 100 days, reversing the illegal sanctuary state in California.
1: All right. If Californians want all that, why is it that when we ask them who they want to vote for, You're stuck at like 5%, 8%, 7%. Where are these voters for you?
0: Well, you know, don't believe the polls. Uh, The poll just a couple weeks ago had me at 16%. So, you know, there's a bunch of different polling uh, groups out there, and all of them have a very different objective. Uh, But none of them want to see uh, a real Republican governor, a true conservative, the next governor of the state of California, because they don't want to see their state... Fundamentally change into what it can be. The closest example I can give you is in 2016. If you had listened to any of the polls, if you had listened to any of the mainstream media, this guy, Donald Trump, did not have a chance, and it was going to be crooked Hillary all of the way. You know, I'm, I'm the only person in the governor's race that actually voted for and supported, even wrote op eds in favor of the Republican nominee for President Donald Trump. And I will tell you right right now that the way that we all knew that he was going to win is every conversation that I had with a taxi driver or just a normal guy on the street somehow Donald Trump's name came up. I said, "You know what? Don't tell anybody, but I'm voting for this guy." And I will tell you it's the same thing today in California. You know, every time I jump onto a plane, we're being recognized by people and they're saying, "Look, I voted for you because I want to change how the state is going." I've watched as my family and friends have all left the state. And I don't, you know, I don't want to have to leave. I want to take the state back, and you're the guy to do it. And I'll tell you right now, mark my words. We stand here right at, uh, you know, the 22nd of, uh, of May, just 14 days away from the primary. Travis Allen will be challenging Gavin Newsom to be the next governor of the state of California on June 5th
1: and yet although you obviously were a supporter of president trump and you still are and you voted for him he's endorsed your republican rival john cox how much does that sting to have him endorse cox and and how do you make up for the the expected boost that might give john cox
0: you know look it's unfortunate yeah very clearly what happened is kevin mccarthy uh is in a race to be the next speaker of the house and and look I, i hope kevin makes it but you know unfortunately kevin was bought off early in the process uh, and he was somehow, you know, wowed by John Cox's $5 million that he spent so far. Unfortunately, this guy, John Cox, is from Chicago. He only moved here in 2011. He has lost every race he's ever run in. And there's a lot of him. He ran for president of the United States, U.S. Senate, U.S. Congress, even county clerk recorder in his home state of Illinois, and lost every single time. But this is the problem with the Republican establishment is they always want you know what they think is the safe bet. They want you know someone who is older and wealthier and someone who is just very boring. And this is the losing formula that has lost for decades now in California. They tried to buy the election with Meg Whitman. They tried to buy the election with Neil Kashkari. Now Kevin McCarthy is trying to buy the election with John Cox. And he even got the president to support him. I'll tell you that Donald Trump uh, will have a fan in Travis Allen and many Californians for his entire term in office because he's doing incredible things. But he's got a pretty bad record of calling uh, state races. You only got to look over at Luther Strange in Alabama to understand that. So I fully expect my phone to be ringing in about two weeks here. And it's going to be the White House. It's going to be Donald Trump. And he's going to say, you know what, Travis, I'm really sorry I got this one wrong. But uh, I'm fully behind you to take back California. And uh, we should probably record that conversation so we play it on the air. But I'm telling you right now, that phone's going to ring, and Trump will be coming to California, but he'll be coming for Travis Allen.
1: Republican Assemblyman Travis Allen, candidate for governor. You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. I'm Doug Sovereign. Next, a profile of another of the Democrats seeking to become governor, State Treasurer John Chung. As state controller for eight years and state treasurer for the last four, John Chung should be well-known statewide. The 55-year-old Democrat, born in New York and raised in Chicago before moving to L.A., has no problem raising money, especially from California's growing Asian-American donor base. He likes to present himself as the progressive who can balance the books. I have the know-how to make sure that we can invest better in education, and health care making sure that we build a strong economic foundation. Chung made national headlines when he stood up to Governor Schwarzenegger when the governor tried to cut state workers pay during a budget crisis. He was an unlikely and unassuming working class hero. But the heroic headlines have faded, and now he's back to just being unassuming, forced to attack frontrunner Gavin Newsom during a recent debate.
2: He tweets and he talks, uh, but we need people who actually come up with concrete plans and actually is in in the middle of the work.
1: Newsom is firing back, attacking Chung in a recent ad, while Chung highlights his childhood as a victim of racism in his own campaign spots.
2: They threw rocks at our windows painted
1: our garage chung says that's why he's always rooted for underdogs now he is one calling for greater state investment in education and housing and jobs as he tries to claw his way into the top two in the governor's race if we want to destroy entrenched cycles of poverty uh, we need to make
2: sure that every child regardless of background gets access to great educational opportunities.
1: Chung hopes he gets the opportunity as governor to stand up to President Trump on sanctuary state laws and illegal immigration, but most of the statewide surveys show Chung struggling to break out of single digits and make a run at that top two. And finally, we introduce you to one more Democratic candidate for governor, former State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Delane Easton. From the 80s to the early 2000s, Delane Easton was a well-known California figure. She was an assembly member from Union City, then a popular two-term State Superintendent of Public Instruction, still the only woman to hold that job. Now the 70-year-old Democrat is returning to public life, running for governor and emphasizing her strength, education. The fact that kindergarten is not mandatory in California, when I tell people that, a lot of them say,
2: no, that can't be. You know, the fact that we don't have universal preschool, the fact that we're bottom 10 of the 50 states and per pupil spending, you're living in the most expensive state in the union.
1: Easton tells KCBS she finds this race frustrating because the top contenders who raise the most money get the lion's share of the attention. While she, refusing to accept corporate donations, languishes in the polls.
2: We're going to have the, continue to have the best government money can buy. And it's all about the big special interests dominating. And Democrats give platitudes but don't make policy changes that really
4: reflect a different
1: world. Easton's attitude and energy stand out in debates, something she highlights in a clever campaign commercial showing her all-male opponents seconding her ideas. I
3: agree uh, with Delane. As Delane indicated, as Delane said. You're absolutely right. Like Delane, and Easton. Easton still hopes well to crack
1: taken, the top two in the primary as she calls for single-payer health insurance, a ban on fracking, and a carbon tax to go even further than Governor Brown's cap-and-trade system.
2: I think I'm getting traction, and, and I do think if I can be heard in enough places, I'll be in the top two. If I'm not heard in enough places, we're going to continue to muddle through. But it's not going to be glorious the way it once was in California.
1: That's Delane Easton, Democrat, running for governor, the last of our candidates on this special edition of In-Depth. You can hear our complete interviews with each candidate, at kcbsradio.com slash campaign2018, where you'll find all our political coverage. And please follow me on Twitter at Sovereign Nation. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS.
0: You've just heard KCBS In Depth, a news interview program for All News 740 and FM 1069 KCBS.